0: Greeny with Mike
1: Greenberg, the podcast.
2: For somebody who can't play right now, Zion Williamson certainly looked good pregame with a couple of spin dunks for Pete's sake and the Chicago Bulls advance because of a little girl. Yes, it is Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Christopher DeRozan Canty. Good morning.
1: Nah, I see you went DeRozan, but if we want to talk about the real MVP of the Bulls (laughs) advancing to the next round of the play-in, then we got to give a shout-out to Dr. Yes, yes.
2: We are going to do just that because, well, she is the reason that the Bulls have won in the play-in. Here we go!
0: Only one place to start.
2: They are 18 for 34 at the line. Siakam, oh, he came up short. That one never had a chance when it left his hand. Woefully short. And if the daughter of DeMar DeRozan's screech wasn't loud, then, she's going to get extra loud here. Down two, 12 seconds to go, one free throw. Siakam's free throw rolls out. No good. Rebounded by the Bulls. That's a rough finish for Spicy P. That's Mark Kestesher on ESPN Radio with the call. DeMar DeRozan's daughter, Dr., begged him, absolutely begged him, to go to the Raptors game. And initially, he wasn't going to let her take the day off from school. But he relented. She goes to Toronto. And the next thing you know, with only her screeching, when Toronto is at the free throw line, the Raptors go... 18 for 36 from the line, and they lose last night as the Bulls come from behind in impressive fashion. She's the real MVP, Canty. There's no doubt in my mind about that, even though Zach Levine had 30 in the second half.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, if you want to isolate the second half, think about this. The Toronto Raptors shot 10 of 22 from the free throw line. 10 of 22 from the free throw line in the second half of that game. I'm not a math guy.
2: That's less than half.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's less than half. And you're talking about a team that shot 78% from the free throw line on the season. But we know that in the playing games or in postseason games in general, you've got to be able to make your free throws. That's just fundamental to the game. And the Raptors left the door open by missing so many free throws. But when you have 14 more free throw attempts than the opposing team and you out-rebound them, you would think at home, you'd be able to come away with the dub, but that's not what happened last night, and Dr is a big reason why.
2: Well, congratulations to the Bulls because they did a terrific job in coming from behind to win that game, and now they advance, and uh, they will play in the next play-in to try to get to the postseason. Meanwhile, later on in the evening, we saw the New Orleans Pelicans fall. Chris Canty, before the game, we saw Zion Williamson, Absolutely looking spry, to say the least, as he is warming up a couple of windmill dunks. Now, I'm not going to cast aspersions and sit here and tell you that he absolutely could have played last night. But Mm. there are a lot of questions at work here with Zion Williamson, where his head is and where the future is. Because, you know, I, I think Stephen A put it best yesterday that it may not be that guys are looking at Zion with the side eye in terms of can you play or not, but it might be more of are you doing everything you possibly can to play right now if you're on that team? Looking at him as a teammate and asking that question. Are you doing everything you need to do to put yourself in the position to be able to play last night? And when the Pelicans go out and lose by five to the Thunder... It's got to be a pretty tough pill to swallow that you haven't seen this guy in forever.
1: Oh Yeah, I'm sure guys on the Pelicans feel the way. But before we get to the Zion of it all, I I just feel the need to shout out SGA. And not for anything that he did on the court, but he was phenomenal in the game yesterday. But the guy showed up to the arena in a Canadian tuxedo. How impressive was that? (laughs) Like, did did him from the head to the toe. That was impressive. Now, I think what takes it to another level is the fact that the guy is from... Toronto, Ontario. So, so I mean, that's that's impressive that he's repping for his home country, and he shows up to the with the Canadian tuxedo, and then proceeds to drop twenty five points in the second half. Just a phenomenal performance. But um, yeah, to get back to the Zion of it all, I, I honestly think that it's it's a situation where it's not unfair to question you know his motivation and whether or not he actually wants to be in New Orleans because he said as much himself that. It's not a matter of the physical aspect of it and him being healthy. It's just a matter of the mental part of the game and making sure that he has the confidence that he can go out there and do what he wants to do. Now, every athlete goes through a little bit of trepidation anytime they're coming back from, you know, successive injuries. You wonder whether or not you're going to be the same player. You wonder whether or not you're going to get re-injured. All of those things are fair. But as it continues to linger – I think we start asking the question, well, just how excited is Zion about being a part of the core that the Pelicans are trying to put together? Remember, before the draft, once David Griffin won the lottery and it became clear New Orleans was getting the number one overall pick, there were a ton of questions four years ago about whether or not Zion would actually go to New Orleans if they drafted him. Now, his family members came out on the eve of the draft and refuted those reports and said that if he gets drafted by the Pelicans, he's going to go there. But I think all of that stuff starts to come into play. That becomes a part of the math when the Pelicans are trying to chart a path forward and determining whether Zion is going to be a part of that or not because it's one thing for a guy to be injury-prone. It's a whole other thing entirely if the guy doesn't want to be there and could potentially milk it until you decide you're going to move him.
2: Well, Alan Hahn is going to join us later in the show from Barton Hahn, 987 ESPN. was on Get Up this morning and hinted at something rather similar.
3: Maybe he's not motivated to play here. Ooh. Maybe it's something more than just doesn't feel right. And maybe that's something that they consider to explore. There will be interest in him. There's no question about it. It's also now becoming a bit of a risk to take on a, a $200 million contract. For a player that is not available more than half the time. Look,
1: I, I get it. The problem is, can't no, be- no, 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 no. I can't let you gloss over that. We got, we got to call this out because we know. In addition to doing some great work for us as an analyst and on the radio for ESPN, Alan Hahn also does pre and post game for the Knicks. So is that him recruiting Zion Williamson while simultaneously trying to drive down the asking price that the Pelicans would, would want in a trade? I, I'm just, I just got to put it out
2: there. I just got to put it out there. <laughs> I I don't think it's outlandish. I don't think it's outlandish to suggest that. So you got Han as a homer. Okay, you can bring that up later on. Now, having said that, though, we have to be fair about this with Zion, okay? You brought up the questions about the draft and would he play in New Orleans. They were questions. They weren't reports of... He's going to refuse or he doesn't want to. We all knew that he wanted to be in New York. That was pretty clear from the get-go. We all knew later in the year when he was asked about potentially playing in New York. uh, I think it was year two he was asked about that. and a big smile on his face. But he has never once suggested publicly that he doesn't want to be in New Orleans. He has been adamant the other way. Now, granted... The move of the veteran player who is getting the big-time contract, uh, when, I, when I say veteran, I mean three to four years in, and that next uh, big contract for the first time is to get the contract, and then if you're not happy, force your way out. Correct. I'm not going to pin that on Zion yet because to me that takes a special level of gall that I don't even think he has to recognize the fact that he has missed the amount of time that he has in New Orleans, and let's call it what it is, Canty, dynamic player. Hans Wright, there will absolutely be interest in him. He has not proven jack in the league quite yet. He has not.
1: Well, he's proven when he's on the court that he's one of the most dominant, if not the most dominant force on the interior of any offense in the entire NBA. I mean, think about it. That's a big win. Well, you just said he hadn't proven anything, and I'm just saying when he's on the court, he's proven that he is one of the most dominant interior forces offensively in the entire NBA. Now, the problem is he's not on the court nearly enough, but you're saying he hadn't proven anything. Yeah, he has. He proves that he's a singular talent. There is no one quite like Zion Williamson. He is unique. There is nobody in the NBA that does what he does. The guy was averaging 26 points a game on better than 60% shooting in the 29 games he played in this season. Think about that. In the month and a half that he was on the court, or two months he was on the court, the New Orleans Pelicans were a top three seed in the West. That's where they were in the standings. That's how good Zion makes this team. Now, because he missed the entirety of the second half, they were relegated to play-in status, and not just the 7-8 playing. You're talking about the 9-10 playing the teams that have to win two games in order to get into the dance. So, That's the difference that Zion makes in terms of the level that your team can compete at. If you're David Griffin, what you have to decide is whether or not the juice is worth the squeeze. You've already invested a lot of money in him, but I think it's fair to question how motivated he is to play for your franchise, and if he's not motivated, coupled with the fact that he's injury-prone, I think that does open the door to entertaining conversations about moving
2: him this summer. So we think this is just Zion at this point taking his time because he doesn't want to be in New Orleans. I mean, I, I think that's a tough one to hang on him. And secondly, we could talk about when it's, he is it, on it's the court. Not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not hanging it on him. What I'm saying is you have to
1: consider the possibility. You have to consider the possibility. And, and we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. But there aren't, there aren't people that are in and around the game that are speculating these types of things for no good reason. There the, are the, the relationships. There's, there's a level of insight. Maybe it doesn't rise to the level of reporting, but there's speculation for a reason. It was speculation before the draft for a reason. There's speculation now for a reason. And so I think it is fair to question when the player comes out and says, yeah, it's not a matter of me being physically healthy. It's a matter of, me being mentally in the right place to go back out there. And See, play.
2: but I take that to mean he mentally to be in the right place. We if, don't know I, what it means is what but, I'm saying. to come no on, when he, he says that, I, he he means to me that he is trying to make the point he needs to be right in his head that he trusts his body to go and make all the moves. I don't think it's mentally, I don't want to be here. I don't think it's mentally. We I wanna, don't know is my point. Well, we I don't know. Think it's a reach.
1: We, we don't know. Uh, okay, I, it's a reach. All right. And, and okay. as far as
2: pre- right. and as far as proven something, I don't doubt his talent, but I can't say that somebody has proven anything when he has a he's basically played a third of the games in his career. To me, that's it's not it's proving that you can't stay on the floor so far. So maybe he does turn out to be like Joel Embiid. As you pointed out yesterday, it's a great comparison when he missed the first couple of years of his career. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit there and say he's proven much. Uh, His talent's great. That's awesome. Let me see him on the floor for an extended period of time.
1: Yeah, I think that's what everybody in the NBA wants to see. The Pelicans want to see it. NBA fans want to see it. And, And we'll have to... You know, we'll have to wait until the 2023-2024 season before that question can be answered
2: definitively. I do think it is fair to question whether or not that's going to be in a Pelicans uniform. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Nature Valley wants to see you and your family out there. When we share our love for out there, we inspire others to protect it. And that's what getting out there is all about nature valley life happens live in just moments we turn to some nfl could one team be getting calls interested in their star running back who does not appear motivated to show up we will get into that in just moments with one of our nfl insiders it's canty and carlin in for greenie on espn radio
5: H E L P dot com slash greeny, G R E E N Y.
4: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by.
2: Greeny, the podcast. Could the Giants actually be better off trading Saquon Barkley? We get to that in five minutes with Jeff Darlington, our ESPN NFL insider. When it comes to scoring great hires for your business, you may be up against a few obstacles, especially right now. That's why you need ZipRecruiter. On your team, ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology hustles for you to find people with the right skills and experience for your job and invites them to apply. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So, win the hiring game with ZipRecruiter. To try ZipRecruiter for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM Channel 80. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter, with us on set. He has basically become to train yeah. the bunkie on yeah, television. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Get up here, Jeff, and <laughs> spin whatever it is on your hand and... Dance, yeah. monkey, dance. I, I'll stand over here with the organ grinder.
6: Yeah, I used to, uh, I used to just do this as a late night party trick. It's become quite the thing on television now, which.
2: You're doing it more than talking about the NFL, I feel like, in the last I week.
6: I was joking with you off the air that I was, uh, sitting next to John McEnroe on a flight from Phoenix to Fort Lauderdale recently, and, uh, we started to chat, and very early on, he said, Aren't you the guy who has that weird talent where you can spin things? <laughs> Yes, John McEnroe, (laughs) (laughs) one of the greatest athletes of my childhood.
2: (laughs) My my legacy is... That's amazing, Canty. I think we should just do the whole segment now, making <laughs> Jeff talk about the NFL while spinning something yeah. on his.
1: Yeah, head. we can call it Jeff Darlington spin around the NFL. Yeah, yeah. there you go. That's, that's
6: what we did a, a literal segment the other day called "Spin It Forward," of course, where I spin things and Greeny looks at me and doesn't listen to a word I'm saying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, uh, the Ravens are having a press conference today with Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. Um, Speaking of spin, yeah, yeah
6: exactly. Great.
2: Let's let's hey. remember what happened the last. Time the Ravens had a press
3: conference. No
2: respect to the, this thing about the draft and everything, just with the Lamar stuff that's going on. Hey guys, are you, you, are you all are
3: looking, looking at quarterbacks? Out, out, out. <laughs> we're, 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 This is about
2: the draft. Just move off the. the, one, yeah. question
6: about the
1: we're, we're, we're not
3: going to
6: answer Lamar questions about, <laughs> about the draft. Are you looking at quarterbacks
0: differently because of the situation that's going on? Yeah, you know, I don't think we
3: really are. Yeah, uh,
2: Jeff, do you think <laughs> they'll ask Odell about Lamar?
6: <laughs> I mean,. I don't know how they're going to navigate this. Like, I would honestly wonder why they're even doing a press conference with him. It's not that normal to have. I mean, that's cool, but you're not going to be able to jump in. Lamar Jackson and Odell Beckham Jr., the night that Odell signed, had dinner together, and then spent the night hanging at live at Fountain Blue in Miami. Like, there is a massive storyline here, and that is that Odell Beckham Jr.'s signing, in which he was paid above market value by the Ravens, uh, clearly has an impact on Lamar Jackson's willingness to be the quarterback of the team. That is a fair question, and I'm curious how, number one, they'll navigate that in this press conference, and number two, how transparent Odell will be about it.
1: Jeff, from one complicated quarterback situation to another, David Bakhtiari, the all-world left tackle for the Green Bay Packers, was on the Bussin' with the Boys yeah. podcast and essentially insinuated that the Packers could keep Aaron Rodgers if the Jets don't meet the Pack's asking price for the former MVP quarterback. Now, I think we all recognize that that's an untenable situation, but when we look at this situation from the Jets' angle, they're pot committed to Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers don't have to pay Aaron Rodgers that huge bonus until week one of the regular season. I I struggle to understand how we could have a scenario where the New York jets don't cave to what the green Bay Packers are asking
6: for. Yeah. I mean, I I, I'm with you to a degree. I think both sides have a little bit of leverage and both sides have a little bit of incentive to make this happen. And that's ultimately what it's going to take. I mean, we can all scream at each other and, and say, who's got more leverage. But the Green Bay Packers also want to acquire the picks that will come with this, regardless of whether it's the 13th overall pick or, say, two second-round picks, so that they can start to build for their future. Uh, You know, could they wait until after the draft and... Get picks for future years, sure, but you don't know what the value of those picks will be, especially considering the Jets likely will be better with Aaron Rodgers. They'll likely be picking later in the first round in future years. So you could be talking about the 32nd overall pick. You don't know that. To me, the NFL draft remains the deadline, and without Hmm. a deadline, teams in in any negotiation, it just doesn't finally cross the finish line. I think we'll get there.
1: Well, Jeff, let me lay this out for you. So, say this gets past the draft and they don't execute a trade and we're on the eve of training camp. I mean, we could essentially get through training camp without a deal being done. The Green Bay Packers, on the eve of the regular season, decide, hey, we'll give him to you for a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick. The Jets will gladly take him for that type of compensation. But at that point, their season is over with because their quarterback hasn't been in training camp. So, I'm I'm looking at the doomsday scenario, and I don't understand – I don't see a world where the Jets come out on the winning side of it if they don't give the Green Bay Packers
6: close to what they're asking for. Right. So you've got to start to decide, okay, what is the value? Because the Green Bay Packers at some point before August are going to unload Aaron Rodgers. They have to. Like It's not tenable. They don't want him around. They don't want to have to pay for him. They'd like to acquire the picks. So the question is for the Jets, how valuable is it for to have him before that point? And... I think the jets could make a case that the 13th overall pick is too valuable for that. So Mm. again, I mean, yesterday we were, we were on uh, this just in with Max Kellerman and uh, Rob Ninkovich were going back and forth on and arguing their points. And it was the one time I'm be like, I was kind of like, wow, they're really both like feet in the ground on this and don't even have any fandom or any like (laughs) bias to back this up. And it made me realize like, Maybe this thing could go to the finish line where both teams really think that they have leverage. But to me, by the way, both teams also have incentive Mm. to get this done.
2: Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter joining us. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're looking for a career path with flexibility, great pay and benefits, go to Progressive.com slash careers, apply online today. How about the Jets and DeAndre Hopkins now that they missed out on OBJ? Is that a guy that could be a real option for them? It feels like it could be one of those draft day type trades.
6: It does feel like a draft day trade. The question would be DeAndre Hopkins has to be cooperative too because his number for this coming season is $19.45 million. He's got two years left. Uh, I talked to one GM, and this doesn't mean every GM feels this way, but they were pretty clear that Hopkins at this point In his career has not shown that type of value on the field to justify a $19 million contract. I don't know how many receivers really um, could do that in the game. But uh, so the Jets, to a degree, would make sense if it was a situation where Aaron Rodgers recruited him and they could make it happen. I just don't know that the Jets also want to give up the collateral that it would take when they've already got to give up collateral to get Aaron Rodgers because it will have to be a trade in some capacity. I could still see a team like the Kansas City Chiefs being interested. um, where you convince DeAndre, hey, come here. We'll fix your contract this year. It'll be a little bit lower, but you're going to show that you're still a superstar and get paid the next year. Um, That, to me, is the type of team uh, I could see winding up, but you could make a case the Jets with Aaron Rodgers are that team as well.
1: Talking with ESPN NFL reporter Jeff Darlington on Greeny And Jeff, a couple of star players for the New York Giants not reporting for offseason workouts. That would be all everything yep. running back Saquon Barkley and all pro defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence. Which situation should Giants fans be more concerned about?
6: Um, Probably still Saquon. I, and mm-hmm. I don't know that I, I say that lightly because – I think that you know. Obviously, this is pretty standard for a player who's on the franchise tag to go ahead and wait, continue to try to negotiate a long-term deal until the July deadline. Tony Pollard, for instance, with the Cowboys, he signed his deal right away, ten point yep. one million dollars. He recognizes that's probably his best path. Saquon is going to try to get the long-term deal done, and um, you know, I, I'd say that because they did the deal with Daniel Jones, it becomes much trickier to do another deal with Saquon. It's still very possible. They'll still work toward that, but. To me, if we get to July and Saquon's still not happy, you start to get concerned. But I, I, I still think that ultimately... I, I would. Ex- I still think that Saquon would probably play on the tag for $10.1 million. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to put words in or actions in his mouth. There's been plenty of times. Ezekiel Elliott surprised me at one point when he ended up holding out for a contract. Uh, I never thought Le'Veon Bell would go as far as he did either.
2: Jeff, uh, we saw yesterday Adam Schefter, NFL Live says it's not a lock that yeah. the Texans take a quarterback at number two. You buying that?
6: If Schefter says that, I buy it. Um, I think that, I mean, you better be sure that C.J. Stroud is not the guy if you're going to pass on him. Like, It's one thing to take a guy and risk it uh, not knowing for sure at that spot but kind of taking a gamble. It's a whole different thing to pass on that guy. That comes with a lot of pressure in its own right. If CJ Stroud does in fact become the star that some believe that he could be, Uh, I will say that I think the idea that, that one through four will all be quarterbacks. I'm not really buying that the idea that Arizona could trade out of three and then there could be four quarterbacks that go off. Like, I don't think that happens, but I still think that the intrigue comes at three, not at Two. I, I still would wager to guess that, uh, that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud one and two. But I, I do understand what, what Schefter's saying. If the quarterback is not the guy you want, you certainly have to do your full research.
1: Well, Jeff, is it more likely that the Texans will take a position player at two, or would they trade out of that I would spot? think they'd
6: trade out of it, right? I mean, what's yeah. the value at that spot for a position player? That's what makes this draft interesting. You see guy, teams that are willing to reach for the quarterback, perhaps, but, but reach – I, I still I think Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud I understand those two again, but beyond that everything feels like a reach, and that's when the position players would go off the board. But fi- by the way, finding a team that to trade into two won't be easy either.
2: No, no, it doesn't feel that way. Listen, if uh, you get on your plane and you go home, and yeah. Jimmy Connors is sitting there, to Connors, and says, "Aren't Pete, you the Pete guy?" Pete Sampras, yeah, Pete yeah. Sampras, yeah. Sampras yeah. sits next to you. Aren't you know, the guy that spins something yeah. and then like asks you to? Get up and start spinning yeah. something like I, I, I did cart. spin
6: my laptop for John <laughs> McEnroe. He was a wonderful human, by the way. I don't yeah. know if people realize that. He was amazing. It, he was awesome.
2: Did you talk for the entire five-hour flight?
6: We talked for th- at least three hours. Wow. Oh, and wow. I, I was going to give him his uh, his space, but we just started chatting. The guy was absolutely uh, lovely to be around. I never would have expected that. I thought he was a, you know, I, his, his you reputation preceded you, him. Think? Uh, I think I don't think he remembers or... Yeah. yeah. no idea. Just how he <laughs> spins things. You know? good, good stuff, brother. Thank
2: yeah, you. Thanks, guys. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL Insider. Greeny presented
1: Mac, by – McEnroe gave uh gave Darlington the Jeff Passon treatment, right? <laughs> <laughs> probably not gonna remember him. Yeah, good conversations, but I don't remember who you
2: are. <laughs> or lock your phone number in. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Boy, Canty, that feels strange that the number two pick would potentially be up for grabs when everybody knows that uh, C.J. Stroud is, well, I shouldn't say that, when everybody knows the Houston Texans need a quarterback Does that say more to you about Bryce Young or about C.J. Stroud?
1: To me, it says more about the quarterbacks that could be in the 2024 draft class because Mm. that's what you're weighing. If you're Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryan's the new head coach, you're you're thinking about not only what this quarterback class has to offer but next year's quarterback class. And if you have a higher grade on Drake May or Caleb Williams over C.J. Stroud, then you would be inclined to wait. And if you can get draft capital to trade out of two, then all of a sudden you have more ammunition if you would need to move up to get one of those guys in 2024. You can do so. So I think that's a part of the math as well. And for the Texans, you mentioned it yesterday. That's a franchise that needs everything. I mean, they could just throw darts on a dartboard. Best available player. Um, that, That is legitimately their approach going into the draft couple of weeks from now. So I, I, I think that becomes a part of the equation. I would still have a hard time not taking C.J. Stroud if he's on the board just because I believe in the talent. He was phenomenal in that college football playoff game against Georgia. And a lot of those dudes on Georgia's defense going to be playing on Sundays at some point in their football careers. So I've seen him play against NFL caliber talent and him shine and him be brilliant. And he's exactly the kind of player that you're looking for from a fundamental standpoint and a sports character standpoint to reset the culture from a
2: flailing franchise. See, here's what I wonder then. The team that we think of immediately that needs a quarterback is Indianapolis. And they seem set on getting that quarterback in the draft. And we have speculated about them moving up to three. But... You can't see a scenario, Kenya, where, at least I would have trouble, I don't know, you tell me, where the Colts trade a first-round pick next year to move up two spots if, in fact, that's what the Texans are looking at, that they would rather have the picks in next year's draft to go and get their guy. But would you do that in the division? You wouldn't want to, but
1: if the Colts present the best offer, then you kinda have to take it, right? I mean, who yeah. else would be in consideration in the top of the you know, top ten of the draft? I mean, could you end up being in a scenario where um the Raiders move up? Sure, but I think the Colts is an obvious one. If you look at Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft, he had the Titans moving all the way up to number three. Yep. Maybe the Titans call the Texans at, at two. That's also in the AFC South. Yeah. Would you consider doing that if you're the Texans? I think you'd have to consider it because that's the way to move your franchise forward. And if you have conviction about your evaluation process, then it shouldn't matter. If C.J. Stroud is not the pick and you're angling for one of those guys next year, then so be it. I just think that's an awfully risky proposition for a franchise that's just fighting for legitimacy.
2: It's Canty and Carlin did for Granny on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app in just moments. Last night, Stephen A. Smith... On his NBA on Stephen A's World side broadcast of the Bulls-Raptors game, had Dame Lillard on, who had some interesting comments regarding Portland and his future. You're going to want to hear those comments, and you will, in just moments after this.
0: That's the number eight. S A V E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S A V E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
3: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
2: Greeny, the podcast. Looks like we were spot on with that list yesterday of trash talkers, can't he? Oh, yeah. Last night, this according to Mike Roach, Raptors broadcast assistant, said this on Twitter. Raptors GM Bobby Webster walking into the locker room. Patrick Beverly runs right by him. Quote, I knew they were blanking trash. (laughs) Ha ha!
1: Ah, you got to love Pat Bev, right? Yeah. You got to love him. I mean, if he's on your team, you love that guy. If you're playing against him, you absolutely despise him.
2: Oh, yes. That is the perfect way to put it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But he's scrappy, though. I mean, he got a loose ball rebound last night. Got a foul called on Fred Van Vliet. I mean... Sky guy always comes up with plays at the most opportune times.
2: Yeah, listen, Shout he's going to him for that. He's gonna make those kind of winning plays. You're right. And yeah. he's going to piss somebody off. And yeah. clearly that can happen. It's Katya and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on at the ESPN app. Dame Lillard last night with Stephen A. Smith. It was the NBA and Stephen A.'s world on ESPN2 during the Bulls-Raptors game. Uh, this is Dame Lillard uh, talking about the Blazers and this off season.
1: They know how important it is to just, you know, be on a competitive team on a, on a level where we can, you know, make a run in the playoffs. That just has to happen.
4: Is that your way of saying the Portland Trail Blazers are on the clock?
1: They got to show a level of urgency or else. It ain't a threat. I'm not, you right. know, I ain't going to say I'm putting them on a the clock. I'm just saying, you know, if those things can't be done, you know, we can't do something significant like that, then, you know, we won't have a chance to, you know, compete on that level. And then not only will I have a decision to make, but I think the organization will too, because at that point it's like, are you going to go young or are we going to get something done? I think we just mm-hmm. kind of been on the fence with, you know, fully committing to, right. to either one. Everybody wants to win. They believe that I deserve that opportunity.
2: What'd you make of the comments?
1: I get where he's coming from, but I don't understand where Dame is at. Like, think about this. Three of the last four seasons, you're talking about the Trailblazers having 35 wins or less. What are you missing? What part of this don't you understand? They are rebuilding, and this is happening around you. I don't know how you go from a team that's won a grand total of 60 games combined over the last two seasons to a team that's a title contender. I don't know how you do that in one offseason. So I think it's pretty clear what Dame is going to have to do. And even though he doesn't want to frame it as an ultimatum, that's exactly what it's going to sound like to the Blazers' front office. So I think it's making a decision easier for them in terms of what path they need to go down this offseason and what they should do with Damian
2: Lillard's future. Kent, um, we've all applauded him being loyal to Portland the last couple of years because – With other stars, we would expect him to be trying to get his way out. Mm -hmm. This is starting to feel like he's going to feel like he made a mistake. I I, I think he's getting there to think, "Eh, maybe I hung on too long. Uh, He's still a great, great player that can help somebody win a championship. But it, it feels like that situation has to be absolutely perfect. I don't know about
1: that. I think Damian Lillard can be the best player on a championship winning team. I think mm-hmm. he can. Now, he's got to have some good pieces around him, and there might be some situations that make a lot of sense. Now, I don't know what Portland's going to be looking for in the way of assets, whether it's picks players, a combination of the two, but, I mean, there are certainly some teams that feel like they're a difference maker at point guard away or an upgrade from, at point guard away from winning a title. Let's, let's just look at the Western Conference right now. Look at the Denver Nuggets. I mean, if if it comes down to the Nuggets trading Jamal Murray in a bevy of picks for Damian Lillard, do you feel better about the Nuggets winning a title? I know I would.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'd feel a lot better. And
1: Jamal Jamal Murray's 25 years old, so he would likely fit into what Portland was trying to do in terms of going with the youth movement. So that's just a scenario that I'm throwing out there, but it would make some sense uh, if you're Portland to consider it if Damian Lillard insists on being on a title contender – next season.
2: It, the other thing too, that I thought was very interesting and in what he said with Stephen A last night, they were watching a highlight of Victor Webb and Yama and uh, Stephen A said, you know, listen, we, we all know what kind of a prospect he is, but I'm always concerned about him staying healthy when you have that kind of size. And Dame Lillard didn't shoot that down. Like he wasn't, there's a, there's a, you know, they have as good a chance of, as anybody, obviously to get the number one overall pick. Mm -hmm. And he did not sound like a guy uh, and say, yeah, he's 7'4". Who knows if that can happen? He didn't sound like a guy to me that couldn't wait to play with that kind of prospect right now. Well, I mean,
1: it's hard to win championships with young guys in this league. Yeah, That's just what it is. It's hard to win championships with young players in this league. So if you're Lillard and you're interested in trying to get you a Larry O'Brien on your resume before it's all said and done – then I, I get why you wouldn't be as fired up. The other part to that Webb and Yama conversation is how many games is that guy going to play in in his rookie year? Like, uh, that, There's another part of the the learning curve when it comes to being a, a pro in the NBA is going through the rigors of an 82-game regular season and then two months of playoffs if you're fortunate enough to make it in. Are we confident that Webb and is ready for that kind of workload as a rookie? Mm. I'm not. So yeah, I get why there would be some skepticism about what Portland could be, even if they do get Webb and Yama, which is why Damian Lillard met the prospects of that with the comments that he made. If
2: Dame Lillard and Zion were both available, I still would have to go Dame Lillard in most situations. There, what about you? I just think
1: it's it's case by case basis. I mean, if you're the Denver Nuggets, Dame Lillard makes more sense. If
2: you're the New York Knicks. I can make a case that Zion makes more sense. I think in this case, if you have a chance to win in the short term, Dame Lillard's got to be your guy. But you're right. There are situations where the younger player is going to be more attractive.
0: Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or Watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.
3: Robert Half research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI